Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to travel the world. And uh, on this interview, we actually have Jody King. He's actually from England originally, and now he's in Brazil. He set up his own NGO, uh, set up an English school, and he does tours of the biggest favela in South America. And I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Jody when I was over there in Rio de Janeiro. We hung out and uh, had a great time together. And that's the beauty of uh, living the digital nomad lifestyle, that you can travel the world, meet people, and also stay connected. Uh, because a lot of times you'll meet people and you kind of like, uh, uh, you make a great friendship, but then you lose connection. But uh, through the beauty of things like uh, Facebook and uh, Google Plus and Google Hangouts and Skype and Zoom, you can stay connected. Uh, so on this interview, we'll be hearing a little bit about Jody's backstory of why did he leave England uh, to go to uh, Brazil of all places, uh, what made him start his NGO, uh, and also uh, especially about the life in a favela. Uh, a lot of people have probably heard about favela from the media or especially during the time of the Olympics or the World Cup, but what you've heard is probably wrong. <laughs> so on this interview, we want to correct the stereotypes and we want to share from an insider's perspective of someone who's living in a favela. And this actually is, this interview, Jody is actually in the favela. He lives there, uh, and he's going to share about why. <laughs> so, uh, how are you doing in Brazil today? Uh, great, thank you. Doing uh, doing fantastic here. Life is good in the favela. I like it. <laughs> good to hear, Jody. So maybe you can share a little bit of your backstory about uh, uh, yourself and what made you uh, make the big uh, leap across the Atlantic from Europe to South America? Okay, yeah, so I'm originally from the southwest of, of England. Um, I, I worked in construction in the past uh, in England, uh, and the reason that I decided to drop everything and change my life and come to Brazil, um, I guess the story starts 13 years ago when I was 18 and I got into a serious relationship with a girl. When we first got together, she had a two-week-old son from a from a previous relationship and I wasn't on the scene so I, I basically became this, this boy's father. Um, we stayed together for seven years, um, we got engaged and we were planning our own to make our own child as well together. Uh, then towards the end of the relationship she started to cheat on me, got pregnant with another guy and, and ran off with this other guy. Uh, so the, the, the sad thing for me was not losing her, it was losing the, the, the son that I'd raised for seven years. So I got very depressed after this, actually. It really hit me pretty hard. Um, went through a very dark period. It was, I had suicidal thoughts, and uh, this went on for two years, and it got to the point where I, I knew I had to do something quite drastic to change my life again and, and be happy again. Um, and actually, Brazil and Rio stemmed from having a dream one night. Um, had a dream, and, and visually, all I could remember from the dream was, was looking down like a bird's eye view on a beautiful beach, you know, the white sand, palm trees, the sea. Um, it was very beautiful. Uh, and when I woke up, I kind of felt good from the, the dream, but I had a word stuck in my head, uh, which was kind of strange, and I'd never heard of the word before. Uh, the word was Ipanema. So having this word repeating over and over in my head for a good couple of hours after I woke up, I, I, I had to Google Ipanema and find out what, what this word meant. Saw that Ipanema was a, was a beautiful neighborhood of Rio and it, and it looked stunning. Uh, so I'd done a little, little bit of research into Ipanema and Rio generally. Uh, and then the more I researched, the more I realized that that was the place I had to go to. It looked so beautiful and I thought that's where I can be happy again. So three months after the dream, I, I got a one-way ticket to Rio. Haven't looked back since. 
<laughs> that is incredible. Uh, you know, thanks for sharing about the personal uh, story as well. I mean, I went through a tough time back in Vancouver. I uh, wasn't sure why I was living in a suburb and uh, taking my kids back and forth from school. I fell into a depression thinking like, you know, there must be more to life outside of my hometown. And that's why we decided to leave uh, Vancouver, BC, Canada to travel the world. So a lot of times these valley points, like your valley and my valley, leads us to these uh, incredible mountains uh, where we can actually literally go to the city of mountains or hills in Rio and really uh, go from a point of negativity to a point of extreme positivity. So if you're in that valley right now uh, as a listener, I definitely encourage you to push through and you'll make it on the other side and it'll be much brighter. Uh, So Jody, uh, the steps. Absolutely. So from Jody, from coming to uh, Rio, Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, your journey from just arriving uh, to the type of job you uh, had and then uh, what made you actually get into this whole uh, thing you're doing now. Okay, so when I arrived in Rio, my my plan was to teach English here because I thought that, that realistically that was the only way I could work and earn money in a city where I didn't speak the language or know anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got qualified to teach English as a foreign language before I came to Rio. Then started to search for work while staying in a few different hostels around Rio. Um, on my sixth day in I ended up going to a hostel at the top of Vigigal Favela, which overlooks Leblon and Ipanema beaches. Fantastic view from the top of the favela from this hostel. I, at the time, I didn't even realize that you had hostels in favelas. And I, I, when I saw this, I thought, well, if there's a hostel there, how bad can the favela be, you know, if, 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 if this is there? So I, I went and checked it out just to see what it was like being in a favela. As well, like the plan was to stay there for a week and then go somewhere else, another hostel. But I liked it so much in this hostel that I then booked to stay for a month. Uh, and then towards the end of the month, he offered me a job in the hostel, just doing a little bit of work at first in return for a free bed for the night, uh, which I needed anyway, because I hadn't found uh, teaching work still at this time. So uh, I took it and ended up doing more and more work in the hostel and eventually becoming manager uh, and stayed there. Uh, Alta Vigigal is the name of the place for one year. Um, beautiful place, beautiful view, a great place to, to find my feet in Rio. Um, uh, and I always had a connection with Rossinha Favela, where I am now, because Vigigal and Rossinha are just a mountain that, 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 that separates the two. Go around the mountain 10 minutes uh, on a van and, and you're in the other favela. So I always used to come around into Rossinha a lot to volunteer at a project here. And I also used to bring guests of the hostel into Rossinha for tours shopping and food because the shops and the, and the restaurants are very good here in Rossinha. So I always had this connection with Rossinha. Having spent a year in Vigigal, a tour guide operator in Rossinha then offered me a job as a tour guide here, uh, which came at a good time actually because having spent a year living in a hostel, I'd kind of had enough of that and I, and I wanted something else then. So um, I made the switch from Vigigal into Rossinha to be a tour guide then. Um, yeah, that was just before the World Cup started in, in May 2014. So, yeah, I've been living here in Rossinha for, for over three years now as a, as a tour guide. Yeah, love it here. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, a lot of us have heard of favelas. Uh, it's all over the media. And there's uh, famous movies such as uh, City of God. Uh, and then, obviously, during the Olympics, the World Cup, uh, the media was talking about it. So, I think a lot of us have heard of favelas. Uh, for me, I was actually really shocked when I got there because there was nothing like what I heard. Um, people were saying, don't go there, there's gangs, it's not safe, don't bring your kids. We ended up staying in a, a hostel uh, there that uh, Jody actually recommended us uh, called Rosina Guesthouse. 
And uh, we actually had the safest time in the world. We had one of the best experiences in all of Brazil. Uh, just connecting with the locals, like uh, we, had, it was really good that we stayed overnight there, that we didn't just uh, do a tour and leave. Um, but it was so incorrect, everything I heard. Uh, like there were so many kids running around and they befriended our kids so easily. So uh, maybe you can, because you obviously lived there for a lot longer than my quick two-day visit. So tell us a little bit about, uh, was that the same kind of cultural uh, paradigm kind of shock that you had, that it was nothing like the media told you it would be like? And tell us a little bit about what is a favela and uh, your experience living in one. Sure. I mean, like I said, I didn't realize that you could go into into favelas and stay in hostels and they were that kind of um, secure for, for tourists or people to go into. And when I saw the hostel, I, I, I thought, you know, how bad can it be? And, and I'm, I'm the kind of person that likes to make my own mind up about a place, you know, not take in too much what the media and uh, and, and these kind of people tell you, because they, they always kind of spiel the, the negatives anyway, you know, about a place. So I, I decided to check it out for myself. And yeah, I was surprised as anyone, you know, about the the, the hospitality of, and the friendliness of, of the locals and how welcoming they were, uh, not just to me, but to anyone, you know, any tourist that visits, they're all friendly people. And a lot safer than, than people think, you know, I think a lot of people expect, you know, because there are gangs in favelas and there are criminals here, people expect it to be a very dangerous neighborhood with, with assaults and robberies and things like that. But actually, you know, these criminals do not commit the crimes in the favelas. They go to the wealthy communities like Copacabana and Ipanema to rob the people down there. So it, within the communities themselves, it's actually the safest place to be in, in Rio. You know, you can walk around with an iPhone in your hand all day in a favela. No one's going to try and take it off you. 20 minutes in Copacabana, Ipanema, someone will try and take it off, you know, because that's where they go, you know, and, and, and in... In the places like Copacabana and Ipanema, you don't really have a, a, a community feel. Neighbors don't really know each other so well. So when someone robs someone down there and runs off, no one's going to care or run after the person. Whereas here in the communities, everyone knows each other so well that they won't allow anything like that to happen, you know, because they want to protect each other. So, yeah, I, I was surprised as anyone. And, uh, and about the safety and uh, it's it's for that reason you know the community feel and, and this and the security of it and the friendliness that I really like living here you know yeah you know I really fell in love with the favela lifestyle too like I didn't I didn't know if I would live there like you have I mean uh, uh, that's a huge radical uh, shift in lifestyle but I really liked the people and I I liked uh, the fact that they were all uh, so hospitable as you mentioned and everything was self-contained like they had a uh, I didn't realize what it was until I got there, but basically it's like almost like a little small town where they have schools and they have businesses, they have restaurants, uh, they have barbershops, hair salons, Anything um, car repair places, they have their own bus system, shuttles, motorbike taxis. So pretty much you can do everything that you need to do in everyday life within the favela. And everything's much cheaper there too, so you, uh, uh, if you need to save money, go from a main, uh, you know, after... Uh, the, the, the busy parts of Rio into the favela and you can get everything much cheaper. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so tell us about how does it work in a favela in terms of the infrastructure and uh, electricity, uh, hydro, all these things because I think people are curious about how does, uh, how does everything function properly? Uh, yeah, so I mean the, the, the favelas began without really any government help at all and the, and the people here have, have built everything themselves you know without really any any rules and regulations 
Um, so, you know, things like the sewage systems and the electricity supplies and all houses, it's all by the people that live here, you know, and, and very kind of informally. So the, the, the electricity, for example, was brought in up the main road of Rossinia by the government. Uh, and then people used to steal electricity from the main road and run it down the alleyways, you know, to their homes to connect. Um, and, and now it's just a mass to this kind of big cluster of wires, you know, on the main road coming down all the alleyways to all the houses. And it looks kind of crazy, you know, uh, but, it, but it works. You know, the, the people here make things work however, however way, you know, uh, they can. It's, it's amazing. I think it's quite inspirational, you know. I think if you take away government help from a, a town in England, I think they'll fall apart. They wouldn't be able to survive, you know. So it, it's, it's incredible what these people have, have done here, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the victory of the, the struggling, right? The, the struggling have made it and they're victorious. So it's a, definitely a very inspiring. Tell us a little bit about the World Cup uh, and also the Olympics. You, you were there and uh, those are the big uh, uh, world-class events. And uh, the whole world was literally watching Rio on the mm -hmm. TV screens, on the internet, on the mobile phones. We were all watching Rio. Uh, yeah. So tell us about how it was to be there in the midst of the Olympics, in the midst of uh, the World Cup. Yeah, it's a very exciting time to be in Rio because, um, I, I mean, I'm really into football and sports myself as well. So, so to be here during the World Cup was, was fantastic. Um, they, they went very smoothly, which I know the, the, the media, again, you know, uh, put a lot of people off coming to the events, I think, saying, you know, don't go to Rio. You're going to get shot. You're going to get robbed. It's dangerous. You're going to get Zika virus and all this kind of thing. But uh, the, both events went very smoothly, you know, with very little uh, trouble. Um, great atmosphere but between sets of uh, supporters of different countries and stuff it was uh, it was fantastic um, I, I guess the, the 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 negative side is that unfortunately a lot of people in the favelas couldn't afford to 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 go to these events very much you know they just watch it on the TV but as a whole you know it went very very smoothly here in Rio it was very enjoyable yeah, and it was such a great uh, to actually uh, go to Rio after seeing all of that. Uh, like uh, last year, I didn't know I would be in Rio. Like uh, 2016 was the Olympics, and here in 2017, I was able to visit. So definitely a dream come true. Uh, and I highly recommend people come to Rio. Uh, again, it's not what you think in terms of the safety and like uh, people trying to pickpocket you everywhere. I, I mean, we're traveling with three kids under five, and uh, uh, I really found uh, the Brazilians. Uh, to be some of the kindest, most generous, most hospitable people in the, in the world. So highly recommend a visit to Rio and beyond. So Jody, I'm really interested in your story uh, about how you set up an English school and NGO. Because uh, uh, the typical traveler uh, just travels and then they, they do their digital nomad uh, work uh, online. Uh, but there's not many of us who actually end up setting their own NGO. So. Uh, how did you go from from actually uh, working a backpackers as a manager to now running your own NGO? Um, so whilst I was a, a tour guide uh, here in Rossinia, I, I took a trip back to England for Christmas um, and a half years ago. And whilst I was in my hometown, uh, a good friend of mine suggested to me, "Why don't you set up a project in the favela? Because I can I can sponsor you a little bit of money each each month to run the project." He said so. Um, I thought it was a good idea. You know, he basically uh, gave me the idea for it. Thought it was thought it was great. Came back to to Rio and then planned the school. Initially, I wanted to open a trade school. You know, bricklaying, electricity, plumbing kind of school to teach locals this kind of trade. 
but uh, I quickly realized that it would cost way too much money to set this up and very difficult to find people to teach this as well. Um, so the next thing was an English school and that was kind of uh, quite an easy choice I guess because it's, it's very easy to set up minimal uh, materials and it's easy to find teachers, you know, travelers that want to get involved, volunteer and, and, and teach English and, and in a city like Rio, you know, where tourism is, is such a huge part of, of, uh, of the city, speaking English is very important and unfortunately they don't learn the English language in the public schools here. So yeah, I came back and it took nine months to plan and open the school, you know, find a location, find materials, tables, chairs, um, find a teacher, uh, register the students and, and, and get it started. Um, started very small at first with just 12 students, one class a day. Uh, now there's 160 students in three classes each day running, uh, adults and children. Um, so yeah, the school is, um, uh, it's like a, a year and a half running now, since September 2015 it opened. Um, uh, and the, the, of course my friend who gave me the idea, he is sponsoring as well as a, a few other friends and, and family members, uh, giving a little bit of money each month to, to fund the project. Um, also now, uh, I don't work for the, 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 the tour company that offered me the job in the first place. After my school was running for a few months, um, my school wasn't getting that much funding and I was doing a lot of favela tours but all the money was going to this other guy. So I wanted to concentrate more on my project and help my school. So that's when I started my own tour company as a way to help fund the school. So now 40% of the, the money from the tours that I do goes directly into the school to help fund it as well. Um, and yeah, that's where we are today. It's a, it's a year and a half and uh, running well. It's good. Yeah, congratulations. I had the opportunity to visit uh, while I was there. Uh, it's a great project, uh, definitely very inspirational and very needed. Um, uh, you know, most of Brazil, uh, people don't know basic English, uh, unfortunately. Uh, they might have learned it in school, just like, uh, uh, you know, like the grammar, sentence structure, etc. Yeah, but there's basic. a need for English education generally across the whole country. But I can imagine in a, a poverty-stricken area like a favela, the need is even much, 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 much greater. Cool. Yeah. So what's your vision uh, going forward? I mean, now that you've set up the school and it's growing, uh, where would you like to see the school in the next uh, few years? I mean, the plan for me is absolutely to stay here and just making sure that this project just keeps growing and, and reaching out to as many in the community as possible. Um, you know, that's my baby now. That's going to keep me here and, uh, and I'm just going to keep looking after that, you know. And, and, and I hope to one day get my own building and have more classes and, and maybe more subjects as well, you know, not just English, maybe other things that they're not learning in the public schools like geography and history, uh, which, are, which are key subjects for them to learn, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to stay here and, and, and keep this project running and growing. Sounds like a plan. I mean, you've got your foundation. Uh, you started, uh, you know, doing the advertising, the marketing, doing these kind of interviews is good to just get the word out there. Um, and also, you obviously you're dating a Brazilian girl now, so that's going to force you to stay in uh, Rio. Uh, tell us a little bit about your struggles, uh, because uh, you know, uh, when you're living in a different country, uh, there's obviously the language barrier, there's the cultural differences. So how have you dealt with those things? You're obviously, uh, uh, you know, an uh, uh, Englishman, uh, not in New York, but an Englishman in Rio. So tell us a bit, how are you uh, facing those uh, difficulties? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't find it really difficult at all, settling into life in Rio. I mean, of course, the, f the first barrier was, of course, the language. Um, 
but you know the Brazilians know that the Portuguese language is a very difficult one to learn so when you're trying to to converse in Portuguese they do appreciate that you kind of make an effort and, and they're patient um, you know with, with with letting you try and say what you need to say so the first couple of years was kind of quite hard until I until my Portuguese got good enough uh, to, to be able to converse properly um, but besides that I didn't really have any difficulties at all you know I settled into life here very well I mean I, I love the culture I mean I prefer the, the Brazilian culture to the English culture or European culture I much prefer it here um, I, 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 pref I like the way the people are you know it's, it's a kind of a very relaxed lifestyle it means earning less money and people kind of turn up late and or sometimes don't show up or you know sometimes it has these annoyances but I do prefer it because it's it's a less stressful kind of culture you know people are easy mm. going they make they go to the beach at least once a week and time to relax and and uh, of course a lot of sun and, and I'm the kind of person that needs a lot of sun on my skin to be happy as well the, 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 the sunshine uh, adds to the happiness um, yeah I, I, I settled in drips of life very quickly here in Rio um, and now I can I can speak the language it's uh, it's easy for me to live here you know of course, I do miss friends and family uh, in England and some foods in England. But I, when I was in England, I moved around a lot to different cities. And so I'm kind of using away from friends and family and making new friends, you know, using Skype to, to talk with my family and that. So um, although I miss them, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't make me want to go back to, to England to live. You know, they're, they're just a, a Skype call away or, uh, or a 12-hour flight away, you know. So... Social media makes it easier to live here uh, and be away from the friends and family. But you know, I'm I'm super happy living here in Rio. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. So I'm I'm not I'm not moving from here anytime soon. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear, uh, Jody. Uh, so for those of the listeners who are watch uh, who are watching or listening, who are maybe a little bit down uh, like you and I were back in our home countries, and who want to maybe take the leap of faith and uh, fly across the Pacific or the Atlantic to another country, another city, another continent. But they have all these fears, insecurities, apprehensions, self-doubts. Uh, what advice would you give them? Just do it. Sim simply just do it. You know, I think there's a place for everyone in the world. You know, maybe not Rio's not my, maybe not everyone's perfect place. But you know, there's somewhere that suits everyone—a city. Um, you know, just follow your dreams. Just don't be afraid to step outside your comfort zone, uh, and you know, just go for it. Um, it can lead to fantastic things as, as, as me and you have proven, you know. So my advice is simply, you know, just go for it. You know, don't be afraid to step outside your comfort zone. Absolutely. And at the end of the uh, comfort zone is a rainbow and a pot of gold uh, in the form of a favela. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I wasn't expecting to find my happiness in a favela, you know, never part of the plan. But now I'm here, I, I wouldn't change it for anything, you know. <laughs> I'm sure as a little wee boy growing up in uh, England, you didn't dream of one day setting up an NGO, a school, and a tourist company in Rio de Janeiro of all places, exactly did you? <laughs> no, yeah. I, I didn't see this coming. I, I don't think anyone did. But uh, yeah, I guess life works in these ways, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. So Jody, uh, I think a lot of people have definitely been inspired by what you've shared so far. Uh, if people wanted to connect with you uh, to support your favela, especially uh, support your school in the favela, uh, support your NGO work. Uh, tell us a little bit about the links of how they can find you, connect with you, and support you. Okay, our website uh, covers all the bases. That's www.favelaphoenix.org. 
Um, and our social medias, uh, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram, uh, both under Favela Phoenix, uh, easy to find. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, you'll, you'll find all you need there to, to, to donate or, or pay a visit on a tour or anything like that. Or keep up to date with the school, you know, we're always posting photos and, and videos of the tours and the school with students and stuff. So, uh, yeah, Favela Phoenix. Thanks so much, Jody. Definitely one of our most inspiring interviews yet. Uh, typically, we, t uh, we learn all about people's travel journeys, which are obviously inspiring as well. But, mm. but in this case, you're, you're doing a lot of good. You're making a difference. You're impacting lives. And uh, you know, how can they not inspire others? <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks for inviting uh, me to talk. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining uh, us on this uh, latest episode of Digital Nomad Mastery. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you've been inspired, I definitely highly recommend you support Jody's work. Uh, once again, the website's favelaphoenix.org, favelaphoenix.org. And uh, in terms of us, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, on YouTube, follow us on all of our social media as well, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery. Mm -hmm.